Super Talk Mississippi media production. Come see your locally owned and operated Linton Glass for all your glass needs. No matter what glass you need to replace, you can count on Linton Glass. Call us today at 601-835-4336 or find us on the web at lintonglass.com. This is Rebecca Turner and thank you for listening to the Good Things Podcast here on Super Talk Mississippi. It's Mississippi's Radio Happy Hour. Well, I'm going to Mississippi, Mississippi, here I come. You're listening to Good Things with Rebecca Turner. Well, I'm going to Mississippi, Mississippi, here I come. Bringing you the good stories of Mississippi's people, places, and things to do. Now, now, here's Rebecca. Good afternoon, Super Talk Mississippi. You're tuned into your radio happy hour. That's the good things. I'm your host, Rebecca Turner. We've got Rhino in studio today. Now, don't forget, you can listen to good things. We are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. We're also streaming from the Super Talk Mississippi app. Of course, you can always find us on your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station. You can watch us too. We are on your computer or your mobile device. Just head on over to supertalktv.com. Today, we get to talk to the first time ever Mississippi woman who is now a referee for FIFA professional soccer matches and she's joining us miss Alyssa nichols hey Alyssa. hi well congratulations girlfriend <laughs> thank you i appreciate it what i'm learning and i feel like our producer rhino should be doing this interview because he is our resident soccer <laughs> lover but he's letting me have the reins with it but for the rest of us who maybe doesn't understand how soccer leagues sort of i guess uh go up or the different ones explain fifa to us um, so FIFA is the governing body for international soccer. Um, so, for, for example, you see the World Cup um, tournaments that are put on, the world, um, the Club World Cup tournaments, youth tournaments on the international stage. Um, FIFA is the governing body for all of soccer around the world, um, and they select um, referees from every country um, to represent their country um, on the international stage um, at those tournaments and events and games. So it's a big deal. Yeah, it's a, it's a big deal. So I know you've sure. been working at this for a really long time. I think I read where your officiating journey started 10 years ago, which looking at your picture, I can't believe 10, like you couldn't have been <laughs> 10, 10 years ago. Um, so how did you sort of go into, I guess, the journey of re- being a referee? Yeah, so um, 10 years ago, so I was 17 when I started, Um and I was actually playing high school soccer. I'm in Murray High School in Jackson, Mississippi. And I had a teammate who was refereeing um, youth, chill like kids, um, seven and eight year olds, um, just kind of, you know, to make extra money on the weekends. It's, it's hard to have a full time job or a part time job um, when you're in, in high school and also um, a multiple sport athlete. So for me, it was like an easy option, it was flexible. Um, when I was available, I could do it. Um, so I kind of got involved that way. And then from there, I just had a bunch of different people um, invest in me and, you know, help develop me. And they saw something in me at a very, you know, early stage and, and were willing to to encourage me and support me um, to get to this point. To be honest with you, when I first started, I didn't even know this was a thing. <laughs> so uh, it's kind of surreal now to look back that, you know, 10 years ago where it all started and and where it is now is, is definitely 
an amazing um, experience for me, for sure. Well, it goes to show whenever you never know when you start to encourage young adults at 17. I mean, you're you're inching towards being a young adult, definitely into your 20s, yep. where that can mm-hmm. sort of help lead them. Sometimes they don't know what they don't know about the different avenues yep. they can sort of take. Let's back up just a little bit, you know, before that. What led you into soccer? You mentioned you did multiple sports. What was it about soccer that sort of drew your attention? Um, for me, it was just like a multiple, like multiple aspects um, from the game is just there's a challenge. So it's like physically demanding. There's a lot of running, but it also requires a lot of skills. So you have to practice um, and work really hard at it. Even if you're athletic, you still have to put in extra time um, to develop the skills. You're, it's a team environment. So there's a lot of people on the field. Um, so you build a lot of friendships. Um, that I still have friends, you know, that I play soccer with, um, that I still keep in touch with and hang out with now. Um, and then you get to travel at, at that age too. You get to kind of, you get to travel to different states and things and play against different teams from different areas. So you get to meet different people and, um, you get to experience different cultures, different states, and it's a lot of traveling. So you get to see the country. Um, so for me, that was kind of the biggest draw was just, there were so many different things that it provided, um, where I know a lot of other sports also provide those opportunities. Um, for me, soccer was the one that stuck out the most. Um, I did play tennis, um, and I also played volleyball and ran track. So I did a lot of different things, but for me, the, the team aspect of soccer and all the things that it brings um, was what really drew me in. Do you remember referee in your first game or match? No, no, the terminology. I, think I it's do. Um, yes, I did. So I refereed my first game. Like I said, I was 17. Um, it was in Southwest Jackson, which technically the club um, is in Clinton, but it's called Southwest Jackson um, Football Club. It was a recreational league. So the kids were six and seven years old. Um, we were on a small-sided field. Um, and essentially, I kind of think about it as at that time, I was learning as well as they were learning. And it's almost like, you're coaching through the game because you're explaining to the young children like how to throw the ball in and and how to kick the ball and you know don't push um and so I do remember that and it's funny because um last year I actually had the opportunity to go to a youth a youth game and I just volunteered to to referee because I was like that that experience is what you know started all for me and I still think about that and I'm just like wow that joy that I got from that first game is the reason why I'm still here I mean is the reason why I kept doing it so no I would never forget that game (laughs) Alyssa you mentioned that you didn't maybe recognize that there could be a career path for you in refereeing or I guess a a longer journey Um, did you recognize then even when you sort of get got on that uh, trajectory and people started encourage you that there maybe weren't a whole lot of women that were refereeing at the professional stage or were you just sort of doing you and just looked up and realized you were the only woman um, or, or one of few around in the world of refereeing. Um, no, it was pretty. It was pretty clear to me at an early stage um, that there were not a lot of women. Um, you know, going to a lot of the events that we have to go to to be scouted and you know to get feedback. Um, a lot of the times, it was like five out of a hundred. You know, um, so it was pretty clear that there weren't a lot of women, um, and especially as as we continue to move up the ladder the percentage goes down. Um, and fortunately, um, in the U.S., they've done a really good job about trying to scout women and develop women all over the country. Um, so the numbers are increasing, but it definitely was interesting to experience a world where it's pretty strongly dominated by men. 
Um, and you kind of have to find your way and you experience a lot of things um, that you haven't experienced before. Or no one's able to really kind of help you with because they don't understand or they don't know. Um, and fortunately, recently, over the last couple of years, um, there have been a few women in the U.S. who have gotten opportunities, um, who have earned opportunities um, at the international stage as well as the professional stage. And so them kind of setting the tone now gives me something to look at and to see as like this is a possibility. I mean, fortunately for me, I was able to see that um, during that journey, um, whereas obviously for them, they probably didn't necessarily have that role model within the state. Pretty cool. And I think, is that the is that the end goal for you? You hope to maybe be able to referee a World Cup one day? Is that like the big mamma jamma? Yeah, that's, that's the ultimate goal. Um, it's a very long process to get there, and it takes a lot of work, but I'm willing to do it. And I hope, you know, that I'm blessed and able to be appointed to a World Cup at some point. Um, that definitely is the ultimate goal, um, I think, for all of us who get to this point in our career. Um, once you get selected, to be a FIFA referee, it's kind of like now you're starting over and now you're, you know, um, looking at a new stage and new goals and new dreams, and it takes even more work than before. So, yeah. Well, what do you say to all the parents or grandparents who have young women and their families who love the game of soccer, but maybe their career is coming to an end, whether it's in, you know, um, ending out high school or maybe they make it to the collegiate level, but then obviously it may start mm-hmm. to dwindle. At what point, if they mm-hmm. thought about, you know, this being another option, like you didn't know, but mm-hmm. you're fulfilling, when should they start getting interested in it? I mean, I would say start now. Like, if you're over the age of 14, you can certify as a referee um, with U.S. soccer in your state, and you don't have to do it all the time. You don't have to do it full-time. You take a class. You do They do a background check, and you're eligible to referee games, um, and it's pretty much up to your availability. Whenever you're able to do it, um, they'll they'll give you games in your local area. Like I said, for me, I was still playing soccer when I first started refereeing, so I didn't referee a lot at the beginning because I was traveling for games, practice, and I was also in school. Um, it wasn't until I graduated high school and I made the decision that I wasn't going to play collegiate soccer that I started to spend a lot more time refereeing. But at the beginning, it was really um, more of like a few days a week or maybe a, even a few days a month. Um, but like I said, it's never too early. There's, it's a lot of flexibility. You can make, you know, a pretty decent amount of money on the side too if you're in school. Um, and it keeps you a part of the game. So if you're, you know, at that point where you're no longer going to play or you're not going to play collegiately, um, you still can be a part of the game at a high level um, as a referee. Real quick, Alyssa, what's your favorite moment by being a FIFA referee now since you've been one? Um, so I've only been one for 30 days. <laughs> um, so I actually have not done a game yet because we're in preseason. Um, just getting the call was pretty cool, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, but getting the call itself was for sure a dream come true. Um, and we just recently had camp, um, like a preseason camp where we go and we have to run a fitness test and all these things. Hey, Alyssa, um, so hang out with able- us. Hey, hang on and we'll be right back. Okay, we got more with Alyssa Nichols okay. coming up next. Making your afternoon just a little brighter. It's Good Things with Rebecca Turner.
on Super Talk Mississippi. You can watch good things on your computer, your mobile device. Just head on over to supertalktv.com. And for the first time ever, a Mississippi woman is a referee for FIFA professional soccer matches. Alyssa, Nich- Alyssa Nichols continues with us here on Good Things. Alyssa, we've got some soccer fans on our text line. Jeff from Oxford is a big one, and he wants to know where you're going to referee now. I know 30 days in, but are you going to NWSL or MLS games? I don't know any of this. I'm trusting that you do. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so I will be refereeing in NWSL, um, which is a men- the Women's Professional League in the United States, as well as um, Major League Soccer, which is MLS. Um, I am now rostered as a fourth official. Um, I am now registered as a, or rostered as a referee. Um, but that's, like I said, that's another goal as well, is to be an on-field official in Major League Soccer. Um, but right now I will be a fourth official in Major League Soccer. Pretty cool. You mentioned you guys were headed to training camp, and at first my limited knowledge was like, oh, they go and watch all the soccer players at training camp. How fun is that? (laughs) And then I realized, no, like the rest have to be equally fit because you guys do a lot of running up and down the field, I assume, with with the athletes. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, explain to us what all goes into being a professional referee because I feel like it's more than just knowing the game. Yes. So um, we have a sports scientist that we are assigned um, who provides us workouts throughout the week. Um, So I work out roughly five to six days a week, um, having one day of um, non-active rest and then one day of active rest, which is technically still a workout day. Um, And then we have games um, roughly once or twice a week during the season um, where we have match prep. So we watch film of the teams that we're going to referee. We analyze the footage, and it helps us to prepare for the match. Um, we usually fly in to the match the day before, um, and then we leave the day after. So that's a rough estimate of what my weeks normally look like. Um, when we went to training camp, we essentially went over the laws of the game, which is what we use to make decisions on the field. We talked about considerations the best way to come to those decisions. We also watched film um, of our previous year's performances, things we did well, things we need to improve on. We have to run a fitness test um, that is sanctioned by FIFA, and we have a pro sports scientist who puts the test on for us and are there, and they um, administer the test. And then, yeah, we go home after the camp, um, and we do preseason games. So the MLS teams um, and the NWSL teams play preseason games to get prepared for the season. And we are usually the referees who also referee those games so that we can also get prepared for the season. So a lot more goes into it than some, I think, give referees in general <laughs> sort of credit for, right? Um, yes, a lot more. <laughs> you know, I always get nervous for friends or anyone who wants to just even literally like do the referee for the little leagues around town, regardless of the mm-hmm. sport, because it can be really contentious. And I feel very sorry for the people who have to be making the tough decisions. <laughs> so I can't imagine it being any better when, you know, it's at a professional level. How do you deal with that? I mean, not everybody's happy about what you choose to say or call or or whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, so for me, it's just I enjoy I enjoy being on the field. Um, I try not to take too much of what people say, the fans say, um, to heart. I know that I'm a human being and that I make mistakes just like everybody else. 
um, and I'm okay to admit when I've made a mistake. Um, but I just try not to take it to heart. So when people say things, I usually re- realize that they probably don't recognize at this moment that I am a human being. They think like, you know, I'm a robot and that I am like perfect. Um, so I usually try to give them the benefit of the doubt in that way. And I, so I don't take it to heart. Um, but a lot of it, when I do make mistakes, a lot of that is just kind of like self-reflection. Um, and I have a 24 hour rule that I give myself. So it's like you have 24 hours after the game to be sad, to be angry, to experience all the emotions um, that you want. And then after that 24-hour period, you have to let it go. And now we prep for the next opportunity. Which you've got a lot of those ahead of you. And I'm assuming it's your past opportunities that whoever decides to call up referees into the FIFA world, sort of look out. How does that even work? I know it takes a lot of, um, Mm -hmm. I guess, on-hand experience or on-field experience Mm -hmm. over time. But Mm -hmm. how how did you get the call? How do you even put your name in the hat for that? Or do you? Mm -hmm. Um, So you don't really have an option of putting your name in the hat. Um, It's more of you're identified and then you're selected. So you can't apply for it. Um, but essentially the way it works is every game that we do on the professional stage is assessed. So there's someone from either FIFA, CONCACAF, or U.S. Soccer, or pro who are either in stadium or they're watching watching the game virtually, and they grade us based off of our decisions. Um, and then from there, you move up the, the ranks. Um, so you go from a regional referee to a national referee to then a professional referee and then a FIFA referee. Um, so they determine. So they determine if you should be nominated. So then you're nominated by your country. So U.S. Soccer then you know nominated me to be a part of the FIFA panel for the U.S. Um, and then you are um, essentially assessed by Concacaf, which is the regional governing body. So they're over the Caribbean, the um, North or North America and Central America. Um, so then they watch you. They assess you. Then they say okay. So they approve you um, to be nominated. And then FIFA then also does the same process. And then they check off and say, okay, you've been approved and you've officially been appointed to the panel. So it's a pretty long process. Um, You get notified months before that you are in the process and that you've been nominated and you have to, um, you know, supply some health things. You have to do a physical exam. You have to run a fitness test. Um, and then from there, they tell you at each checkpoint what the decision is. And then at the final decision, they then send you the email that you have now officially been appointed to the FIFA panel for the U.S. New respect for the referees, man, because, you know, they can't pass out on the field. That'd be a terrible thing. And you have to be yeah. able to like, keep mm-hmm. up. I never really thought about that. So I think that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, I just yeah. want to go back to like your days at Murrah High and then being a young mm-hmm. uh, soccer player. You know, it feels like mm-hmm. the sport of soccer in U.S. has really exploded over probably the last 10, 15, mm-hmm. 20 years, sort of for sure. But do you see more young women, more just young kids of diverse crowds getting into the sport of soccer? Because I feel like it's having its moment. It's ha- or at least mm-hmm. here in Mississippi, it's having a moment. Yeah, yeah. No, I think you you hit it. You know, on the head. Um, I think there's a lot more diversity within the sport within you know the state of Mississippi and across the country, across the world. Um, and I think that's because the sport is becoming more affordable um, for a lot of different groups. And I also think there's a lot of people that are giving back and that are investing in young people who want to play soccer um, and giving them opportunities to play, like I said, um, 
outside of their state and allowing them to, them to travel, which, you know, gives them more opportunities. Um, I definitely think the sport is growing in general across the United States, and I think it's going to continue to grow, especially because, you know, the Men's World Cup um, is going to be, the next Men's World Cup is going to be in the U.S. Um, so I think that is, that's going to be huge, and I think the sport is going to continue to grow even after that once people get to experience the World Cup in, in the United States. In the trajectory, is there a chance you make it to that, or is that still too soon? Uh, <laughs> you know, that would be a dream, but the process for those, for the, for World Cup starts four years out, um, so I would just be shy of that window. <laughs> um, but definitely I hope that there are rep- there's representation from the United States at the World Cup when it's here. Um, but, yeah, the process takes a long time. I mean, it starts four years from the event. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't be eligible for that, but you know, you never know. <laughs> you never know, but Alyssa, you'll at least go, right? With it being, with it being on home oh, soil? Yeah, I definitely will be there as a fan, <laughs> for sure. Well, we're going to start a GoFundMe for Rhino because I can't let the, let it come this close <laughs> to him and him not be able to, to get a chance to, to go, but that's for a whole nother, a whole nother thing. But he's, he is our big uh, soccer uh, lover here. So, um, he's super proud of all you've accomplished for sure. And I know everybody else is as well. I think it's cool. You rock it, girlfriend. I appreciate your time. I would say, is there any way that we can, and even Jeff said, I'm so proud of Alyssa. (laughs) I don't know. You know, we're just so proud that you're, you know, you're out there. So when you make it to the World Cup, will you at least let good things know? We will be, we'll be happy to sort of spread your joy um, about your next accomplishment. For sure. All righty. (laughs) Go rock it, girlfriend. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Have a great day. All righty. how did I do? I felt like you should have been doing that interview and not me, as I know that you are the our resident love of soccer. But like I said, I love it now or try to get to love it because you do. And then, too, when you start to understand the stories and you the people behind it and all the Mississippians doing really cool things, you can't help but to have an affection for it. It's a cool, it's a cool sport. It's very layered. I mean, they call it the beautiful game for a reason. They do. Yes, but it is the only sport that I tried out for in high school and didn't make. Mama's not coordinated. <laughs> not coordinated. And you need a lot of that in the feet to sort of be successful. But I think I did all right. All right, stick with us. We got more for you coming up next. Rebecca Turner. She looks healthy and sane. Good Things with Rebecca Turner continues on Super Talk Mississippi. Everyone knows all about my direction. And in my heart somewhere, 
Welcome back to Good Things. We are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. We're also streaming from the Supertalk Mississippi app along on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station. You can subscribe to Supertalk Mississippi News this week in Mississippi Newsletter, and you'll get the news stories you need to know from the most powerful name in Mississippi News delivered to your email inbox, and that's at supertalk.fm slash newsletter. And if you missed our wonderful conversation with Alyssa Nichols, she is Mississippi's first – is she the Mississippi's first female FIFA referee or Mississippi's first FIFA FIFA referee who happens to also be female? I want to say she's Mississippi's first female FIFA referee. Gotcha. And she's awesome. And she is, uh, if you missed that story, you can get it back on YouTube coming up in a little bit later. But I have to say, soccer has the best hype music. Like of all the sports, I know they all have, they're all different things. And then some sports, the, the players walk into different music or whatever it may be. And then you've got, um, you know, you've, you've got whatever, it may, the, the anthems or whatever it's called. Fight songs. <laughs> <laughs> but they're kind of anthems, but I, for the life of me, fight song didn't come to come to mind. But it feels like soccer. It's just it's when you hear it, you just see stadiums of people jumping up and down like at the same sort of. Has there ever been a stadium collapse due to hyped crowds? Because I feel like that could happen. Uh, yes and yes. There there have been collapses in some instances of crowds getting too rowdy. There have been a whole lot of hooliganism with the crowd getting too rowdy and certain fences come down, separating fan groups and fan bases. And there have been some tragedies. Thankfully, none in recent history. But you, there have been instances of what's called a crush, where you just get too many people in one area at one time and the exit isn't big enough Mm. so it's uh there are different days of remembrance for different countries where it has happened thankfully in america we haven't had an instance like that but then again soccer hasn't been all that big in america compared to in other places like england where they have had bad situations come out of a soccer match and that's why over in Europe, you you have differing regulations for the stadiums. When you think of a stadium in America, you think of, okay, you're either going to have the seat backs or the bleachers. That's pretty much universal. And you might have some standing room only areas where they didn't put seats or bleachers, but it's usually pretty small. Mm-hmm. You get to England, they've changed the law and the rules and the regulations because of crushes to where every seat has to have a seat or a bleacher in an assigned spot. Like with a number on it where right. your butt so goes? That, so that there's a, there's a number of people that are there, you don't go out past that number, and everybody's got a spot. In other places, like in Germany, with uh, like Borussia Dortmund, they're a team that wears yellow and black, and they have what's called the yellow wall, which is a standing section in their stadium right behind the goal. And all their fans deck out in yellow and black. And it really is. It's a yellow wall of noise that the opposing team has to shoot at throughout the entire match. And there's something about the energy in a a sporting event where a large chunk of the fan base is standing the entire time. Well, I feel like it would just be thrilling. I've never, I'm adding that to like my bucket list of going to like a really big match in person because just listening to the music, because obviously you feel like the music 
was recorded in some sort of live event anyway, whether it was or it wasn't, not all of it, but um, it just seems like it would be a whole lot of fun. I've got a um, Guinness World Book record that you'll find interesting that connects to soccer. Australian man has been named the world's oldest competitive soccer player at the ripe age of 79. Wow. Just the fact that you could still get out there and do the sport at 79, I think, is really cool. And he plays for his local soccer team, and he became the Guinness World Record holder this past year. And I think um, he celebrated his 80th birthday, but he was 79 years and 89 days when he played for the Kissing Point Football Club in a northern suburbs uh, football association. So to win it, he had to be able to play the whole 90-minute game, which he was able to achieve. So apparently in Australia, there is a over 45 team and he is part of that and it sort of gives uh, I guess those over 45 who still want to get out and be competitive for fun obviously and for the general health and wellness of the sport the opportunity to do that and I guess over 45 is over 45 so kudos to him too to be able to keep up with 45 year olds at at 80 at 80 year olds I think that's pretty cool that is a, a fascinating facet of the soccer world is outside of the U.S. Because in the U.S. you have leagues that are pretty much just themselves by themselves. Like MLS is a league by itself. It doesn't have a feeder, a minor league or anything. They have a draft. They they go through all that, but it's a league unto its own. Kind of like the NFL doesn't really have a minor league. You think of college football as kind of a minor league for the right. NFL, but... It's not a direct feeder. Nobody walks on to the NFL. Right. Or very rarely very does rarely. it happen. Unless you're a kicker. I Unless see. you have like crazy skills and just got passed over. Whereas somewhere like England, where they claim football started or soccer started, it's so ingrained in the culture and they have promotion and relegation, which means every season the worst teams from a division move down a slot and the best teams move up a slot. And they have it all the way down to pub league, which is it's crazy to me because that would be the same thing as if you had a direct connection from your your weekend softball church league and you could somehow work your way up as a team from there up to the major leagues. But that's how soccer works in England. That's how you have somebody in Australia who uses a very similar situation in England can still be playing when they're almost 80. I love it. I think more sports should open up to the 45 and overs or the you know the retirees. Well, one, because as Alyssa mentioned, we're talking about young um, adults who may be aging out or I guess moving out of their prospective sport. Usually, you know, high school is the end for so many. And then if you are lucky to go D1 through three, then that's the end for so many. But you now, but you've cultivated all these years of a love and passion for a game, and you obviously have the competitive nature to still enjoy it, to doing it at the next level. And then it just goes away, and it feels like there's like missing an opportunity to give people an outlet to stay active and still have like that competitive drive. Um, and so many different sports, I think it would be uh, a lot of fun. That's why a lot of those athletes gravitate to other things that you can do individually and still stay competitive, whether it's running or triathlons or, you know, or whatever it may be, because they still have that desire to use their physical fitness for some kind of competitive outlet. I feel like 45 and over needs a there needs to be a whole movement for every sport to have. But you talk about church um, softball leagues, man, that can get... <clears throat> The only thing more competitive Testy. than a church softball league <laughs> 
is what's called men's major industrial. What is that? That is where it's a. It's not really a league. It's more tournament based. So it's tournament teams, but it's teams made up of people that work together. Sounds so, like a terrible idea. But you think of certain facets of society, certain sectors of the of the public sector, like manufacturing or mechanics or something where you have a lot of hand-eye coordination, a lot of inbuilt strength that comes from your work, and then you have a team full of them versus a team of people that work in the office all day. You are bringing back memories of like field day and 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 school where your your class is your you know team and then you go out and you do all the games and you see who wins and you always know the teachers who take it very seriously from year to year because they start to cultivate their students throughout the year for field day. You wonder if like would that not play, bear well into the corporate world of team building if you knew. You got to like take off the suits and all and put on, you know, your jersey shorts and your sneakers once a year and all the different departments came out for tug of war and egg and a spoon and all the different crazy things. I'm telling you it would it would uh it would encourage, inspire folks to be more fit and fiddle throughout the year. It would be it would it would become a thing. Now, I'm not completely up to date on the the latest rules and regulations regarding men's softball and the industrial level of play, but I want to say men's industrial is still limited on the amount of home runs you can have. That's that's how competitive they are. They have that way it's not just 150 to 147. You know, you're only allowed a certain I think it's like four home runs per game. So they'll literally they'll load the bases, hit a home run, load the bases, hit a home run, load the bases, hit a home run until they hit that maximum, and the next home run's going to be an out. Well, then they just go station to station. They're that good at it. Humans are competitive by nature. They'll find a way if that's part of their personality, and if it's yours and you've missed out on it, find a way. It'll be good for you. All right, stick with us. We got more coming up next. And stories that make you smile. This is Good Things with Rebecca Turner on Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk app, and at supertalk.fm. When 
you can watch good things. We are streaming live over at supertalktv.com. And you can watch for country music superstar Morgan Wallen. He's coming to Oxford. And Supertalk Mississippi is going to give you an opportunity to win tickets. I know a lot of you are excited about that. It's starting Wednesday of this week. Mm-hmm. Well, you are going to find out how you can win. So you're going to have to stay tuned in for that. So the Morgan Wallen ticket giveaway is going to be brought to you by First South Farm Credit, King's Daughters Medical Center, Jumpstart test prep and toyota of brookhaven and if you're a business and you would like to get in on this uh, incredible promotion you can email us at sales at supertalk.fm while we were talking about sports rhino i came across another great headline but it's not really in vain of what you would think but if in the world of food delivery you had to think it was going to happen at some point. An Uber Eats delivery man walks on court, interrupts a basketball game. That's Have you said that? How did that happen? Like, how does this happen? How are you so disconnected to what's going on around you in terms of a basketball game of all things? To look for, and it was a. It was I a feel res- like there are multiple people to blame for this one. For this one. So an Uber Eats man walked on the court in the second half while searching for the recipient of an order from McDonald's. The odds of this occurrence happen about four minutes into the second half of the, I guess, of the game. And yeah, so he said he really didn't see it. Like he just didn't notice it the game. And he was too busy looking for, I guess, whoever. And he just sort of stumbled out. It's like a toddler who you just sort of let down and they just run away. And then you recognize they don't recognize where the, maybe they're walking into in, into something. But I, I mean, just I would fathom. I would place a little bit of blame with the Uber Eats delivery person because I, oh, mean, I put all the blame on it. How can how can you not tell that the game is going on? The refs are watching the action. The action's on the other end of the court. But. I would also put a fair amount of blame on the person sitting courtside who was too lazy to get up and go to the concession stand that's right there. That's fair. That is fair. Okay, that's fair. You got courtside seats. And you're ordering I'm McDonald's. pretty sure courtside seats for most places with basketball come with delivery from the concession stand. You just got to flag somebody down. You wonder if in the comments to their deliverer, did they put court? I wonder if they put court side. Da 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 da. That's why the, the delivery person was down on the court trying to find somebody court side was because they ordered it court side. I hope he got tipped well, right? Like I mean, I feel like this is just one for for the record books, and I feel like this is why you will wind up with a warning or some kind of rule or regulation that will come out and say you can know like. You cannot do Uber Eats if courtside or like whatever. You know, it takes an idiot. It shouldn't have to be written. It takes an idiot for it to have happened. I mean, it's the same reason your hair dryer has very specific instructions. Do not blow dry your hair in the bathtub. Of all the places it could say, that's because there was an idiot who tried that at one time. And so, so now there will be a warning. Are you courtside? It's going to be in the questions and answers when you're when you're going to fill out your Uber Eats request, and you're going to be like, "No, well, somebody somewhere ruined it for us all." And now we got a couple people on the ceasefire text line saying it was a fake or a prank or a publicity stunt. Well, that's unfortunate that we've gotten to that point in our life, but I don't, you know, though it makes me feel better for the Uber delivery guy. That he was in on some prank and knew what he was doing a whole, which is a whole nother level of ignorance. 
but at, at least you're not so unaware of your surroundings that a grown adult who's able to operate a motor vehicle just wanders into a game that's being played and then um but yeah and joey on the ceasefire text line i ask who bought his ticket to get in I'm thinking if you stand there with a bag of McDonald's and it's got you got Uber Eats and you just get out of your car, you just talk to the person. It's like, hey, somebody delivered. I'm not here for the game. You can talk. You can come find me if I'm not back in five minutes. Here, I'm here to deliver something. Who's going to stop you? I don't know. Well, now it won't be allowed. It'll right. be like I'm so sorry. They're going to have to come to the gate, which it should be the way anyway. If you're actually going, you're going to do that. I mean, there is the convenience of having it delivered, but you need to have the, I guess, the courtesy to get up and go meet them outside the establishment and then sort of bring it in. But then again, as we're walking through it, most places that make their money off of their concessions don't allow outside food to begin with, unless we're at a swanky enough event where, you know, if you're somebody special sitting courtside, you probably can eat your Big Mac and fries if that's what you want because you just paid my salary and tickets but still get somebody else to go meet the uber guy i think <laughs> not a challenge i would be partaking in for sure all right stick with us you got more coming up next you got the boys with sports talk mississippi from three to six rhino and i'll meet you back here tomorrow at two but until then i hope you all find time for the good things i can see good things for you tonight good things for you Mississippi Media Production.